Hello and welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer and joining me is a man that is going to record this episode with a large rock on his chest. This is Johnny Numb. I'm surprised I can talk this well with a, with a rock on my chest right now that I'm not wheezing uncomfortably. But hey, maybe I just have some super human strength, maybe not human at all, coursing through my veins right now. Whoa, did you go in for a research assignment and were you one of the only people to live and now you have superpowers? <laughs> maybe, maybe, Mark. I'm one of the only Johnny Nums left alive. Yeah. <laughs> All your clones are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Is this like the one of those Resident Evil movies where you're just you're Alice and you've just been cloned and we don't even know which one you are by now? <laughs> How many Johnny Nums are there or were there? You, you know, there's there's an interesting backstory on the uh, on. Well, it's not really interesting, but um, just the the the, con the whole concept of a Johnny Num, which goes back to my high school days. So there's probably several different several different iterations of the Johnny Num character uh, within the extended Johnny Num multiverse. I would say. Oh, Johnny Num multiverse. I, I, I see mean, this world. The mind boggles, right? <laughs> the John. Oh man, Johnny Num Johnny Numiverse. <laughs> No, I, you know what I love, Johnny Num. Uh, during yeah. our, our feel good series, like, mm -hmm. we're we're covering a Park Chan Wook's 2009 film Thirst, and mm -hmm. I want you to sort of picture something in your head. So it is, it's, it, I would say it's probably 2010. 2010. I I'm in um 28 year old Mark Hoffmeyer is with Megan Hoffmeyer, and we are hanging out. And uh, the first movie who Megan, you know, from the show, she's, she's yeah. my wife, but she was my yeah. girlfriend, fiance of this. Our first movie we ever watched was Drag Me to Hell. Then we watched Man on Wire. Then one night, you know, I, I was a big fan of Korean cinema. Actually, one of the first things that got me into it was my buddy. Uh, I was a bouncer at a bar. My buddy Kahuna, uh, he, he was 6'11", awesome. Uh, he, he was like, hey, I got this movie. Like, we used to watch Layer Cake. He, would always, he was always the guy who was like, hey, I got this movie. Nice. And so we went over there and I watched Old Boy. And I went, oh my gosh, this like blew my mind. And then a few years later, I lived in Korea. Uh, I, I remember I drove an hour to go see Host in 2006. Every mm. time I went by the Han River, I was always like, I was really hoping for a monster just start attacking everybody. So I was a big fan of Korean cinema. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wait, Megan, we gotta watch, we gotta watch this new movie. It's called Thirst. Two hours and 14 minutes. And it is just an absolute journey, like, like the house that Jack built. We've mm -hmm. talked about Lars von Trier. We've talked about Paul Verhoeven, Park Chan Wook. We've we've like Paul Schrader, Abel Ferrara. I love I love the movie. Like we've covered some gnarly <laughs> directions. Yeah, yeah. And so we watched it, and it's a two hour and fourteen minute trip into hell. I mean it it starts off very sensitive and expansive with this priest, and it becomes one of the most claustrophobic films ever inside this painted white uh, yeah. home that just is wildly oppressive. And by the end of it. Megan was pretty much shell-shocked. Uh, any movie she's watched since then, and people are like, oh, you're not going to believe how vicious this movie is. She's like, you haven't seen Thirst. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 we, I jumped her into the deep end of, of Korean cinema, mm -hmm. and this movie has never left me, man. It's, it's 13 years later, and it hasn't left me. This movie has lingered in my memory like the undead husband who was murdered during a canoe trip. It is, it's, it's, it's like we talked about with Bad Lieutenant, and I'll let you talk eventually, Johnny Numb, because you're very no, articulate, well-written, well-groomed, and you, apparently you have clones. But this movie is, is much like Bad Lieutenant. It's, it has to be this way. It has to be mm -hmm. a descent into hell, because, you know, it's yeah. about a good man who becomes a vampire, and it all just goes awry. And I found an interview with, with Park Chan-wook from 2005, and he goes, obviously, everything is exaggerated in Old Boy because it's a fable. But what I'm really interested in is how people today deal with a guilty conscience. My characters mm -hmm. aren't evil. They are basically good people who find themselves unable to live with their darkest emotions and suffer tragedy as a result. And this is 2005, well mm -hmm. before this movie came out. It's just such a an interesting thing. Like All of his movies really do cover that theme and about a good man who becomes a vampire who becomes smitten with Kim, Kim Oakbin, turns her, everything just goes to hell in a uh, handbag? 
a hell a hell in a, a bread basket. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it's okay, Mark. It's the multiverse. It can be a hand uh, basket, bread basket, hot dog um, basket, Easter basket. Yeah. Whoa! Oh, nice yeah. basket case. Oh yeah, the Green Belial. Day album or the movie. <laughs> Belial in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> Basketball. Basquet. Um, no, gosh. But it, For banquet frozen dinner. I don't know. <laughs> Coors Banquet Beer, <laughs> Cobra Kai, <laughs> Indiana Jones, uh, and the Temple, uh, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just as long as it's not a uh, uh, Temple of the Crystal Skull or something. Yeah. Oh, good aliens. But they <laughs> could it be Mark? Aliens. Russian accents. It's <laughs> one, but it, this movie, man, it it has just stuck with me, and it's such a descent into. Mm-hmm madness and it's performed and shot i mean uh chung hoon chung's cinematography which mm-hmm. i mean i love his you know you know like he he shot me and a dying girl he shot handmaiden he shot it uh, yeah. this is a guy who i actually want to watch zombie land double tapped again because he shot that and this this is a guy who has they've worked together for a very long time i mean old boy is beautiful all these movies are beautiful mm-hmm. it, for me it's it's this is artwork this is absolute art to me this is this thirst to me is a piece of art and mm-hmm. it's a shame that there's 40 minutes of sex and just wild amount of, of <laughs> blood and blood flutes that keeps the mainstream from really embracing this movie. I mean, it won a, a jury prize at con, mm-hmm. but you show a re- regular folk this and justifiably they're going to want to like fist fight somebody. Uh, but it's, this is a beautiful move, uh, movie, Johnny Numb, and I'm glad we're talking about it, man. And thank you for joining me. No, absolutely, Mark. And, and I totally agree with you. I think uh, a word I would use to describe uh, Park Chan-wook is, from the movies I've seen of his, um, is just he's a very meticulous director. Mm-hmm. Um, his his shot compositions, uh, you were talking about the use of color in this film, it's just really spot on um, and it all contributes to kind of this overarching um, kind of oppressive mood that he creates um, through this film. And it's, it's, it's kind of weird because it doesn't necessarily start out that way. It just kind of gradually, well, gradually then quickly snowballs into something more complicated for these characters. And I think, and I think that kind of goes back to his uh, fascination with the, uh, uh, characters experiencing guilt or whatever or how how guilt is experienced or expressed or conveyed because something i really like about thirst despite all the fantastical elements is that in a lot of ways it's very i feel practical minded in the way the characters act once once they uh, convert over to the demands of their vampirism which includes getting rid of certain people but it's just like in a way it's like the 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 actions make sense they're they're abhorrent and they're morally objectionable because this is murder this is you know deviancy basically uh, it's, it's this pastor converted to a vampire and now he's killing people for their blood so i just think it's kind of beautiful this this the, the quandaries that uh, uh park chan will creates in this film because they owe less to the fantastical elements and more just to kind of the the human element that these characters still possess despite their condition. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, they talk about themselves as becoming human eating beasts. And yeah. and, and when when um, Kim Oak Bin, who's in the villainess, very fun action film, when hmm. she turns, it's I like that she acts like, why are you acting so humane? You're not human. And she says, like, is it is it bad for a fox to eat a chicken? Like they aren't humans anymore. They have become predators. They have become Mm -hmm. beasts who prey on the blood. And so it's just uh, what Teju just what what they were saying. It's just yeah, it's very practical minded. It's it's and and it would become oppressive, Johnny Dumb. Like becoming if you're a, a, a a priest. And you don't go the route of Ethan Hawke and wrap yourself in barbed wire and drink <laughs> Drano. We've covered a lot of movies with religion, by the way. We, we, yeah. you, we've been like House of Jack built, First Reformed. Yeah, Bad Lieutenant. Bad Lieutenant. 
Oh, uh, even only, only God forgives. Only yeah. God, the devil all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Mark, I, I I had no awareness of this being a theme, but now I love it. Now we're working something out, out, man, and it makes me happy. <laughs> we're, we're getting philosophical. We're getting our spirit on. Yeah, the PKs. Uh, yeah. So it's so it just it, I, I like the way they handle this because the like this you have one guy who's being practical you have another woman who has sort of almost been imprisoned her whole life by you know her husband by the mother she's just kind of a a an object in the home just makes kind of kimbop and Mm -hmm. and then she becomes a beast who has great skin and can jump and get hit by cars and throw people into the woods beautifully probably the greatest woods like person into the woods throw i've ever seen and um yes yes. yeah and like but but then you have you know uh uh sang hyun's confident like he's he's having a moral quandary in Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. and it's just but then he created this this monster yes and so that's why this movie needs to happen the way it does and even at the end when they spoiler both die you have this long comedic beat of her trying to hide in the trunk hide under the car Uh, she's trying she punches him the gut she tries to take him with her it's mm-hmm. it's it's very bleak, it's very dark, it's very comical, but it's also horrifying. And mm-hmm. to tell a tale of of a good man who becomes a vampire, who turns a woman, who becomes infatuated, it it ha- I feel like it has to get this treatment. I would not want to watch a watered down version of this movie. No, it no. it would just take out all of the art. And I do think this is an art because I, I'm not trying to just read from other reviews here, but I found another really cool thing. Mm-hmm, sure. uh, a New York Times interview said that like it's more accurate to say that his eye for detail and composition is nearly unmatched. And so when he mines visceral horror, a tongue cut with scissors, teeth pulled out with the claw end of a hammer, the mm-hmm. images are so spellbind, spellbinding, they pull you in rather than uh, repel you. And uh, Roger Ebert wrote, uh, Park Chan-wook of South Korea is today's most successful director of horror films, perhaps because there's always more than horror to them. He seems mm-hmm. to be probing alarming depths of human nature. Maybe that's why he can simultaneously be celebrated on fanboy horror sites and win the jury <laughs> prize at this year's Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> you know, Mark, that's that's a really interesting observation, I think. Um, you you kind of got that dichotomy going on there. Uh, because Oh, sorry, go for it. Well, no, because Park Chan-wook is is very uh, <clears throat> he he is like one of the names that people drop when they're talking about you know Asian cinema, just period. And but he's also he he sort of he has his he has his feet in both of those worlds, like kind of the the guy the people who love horror movies. Um, you know, you can get what you want out of thirst, I think. Um, and if you're you know, I don't want to say if you're one of those elevated horror people, which are usually within, <laughs> with, with, within like those the, the major critical circles, you know, or, or people who aspire to that. You know, it's like you can find something to something to appreciate there. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good point. He kind of crosses he kind of crosses the aisle, as it were. Maybe we need Park Chan Wook as president. I don't know. Oh yeah, please. And listen. <laughs> I think this handmaiden old boy and decision to leave is probably my second favorite movie of the year next to probably barbarian or after sun. And you know, it's crazy decision to leave is a very PG movie. There's no nudity. There's not an insane amount of violence. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a love story, an old school spy detective femme fatale noir. And it's beautiful, 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 but it's, and and but he said he did it because he's like I think I kind of want to win awards so he kind of went, uh, <laughs> but it's still a, a, a sumptuous and beautiful, uh, gorgeous film, but it's for me thirst man and this is sound like a bad comparison but it bums me out that movies like thirst get, you know it, it, they're 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 on the kind of yes it won at con yes cinephiles love it yes fans of quote unquote elevated horror and even you know. Like people who just want to watch violence can like yeah. it, but yeah. but then you it's get movies like movie. I don't know Midsummer and Hereditary that are heralded as gems, but I think Thirst is fourteen times the movies that those are, and it's oh, unnecessary yeah. to make that comparison. Mm-hmm. But I think he has the capability of dragging you to places where you need to go. I don't think those other movies do that. So 
I don't know, man. I just wish he had more love. <laughs> this guy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so glad we're talking about this. I feel like Mitch Hedberg, he told a joke once where he said that uh, see, he holds his microphone and he plugs it. So when he lets go, a bunch of jokes fly out at once. <laughs> so this is me about this movie since 2009. I've just plugged the, the, the podcasting microphone and now I'm letting go and I'm like ex- saying how much I love this film. And now obviously, John Numb, since we're covering on the Feel Good series, it's not a movie for everybody. Oh, uh, no. We can't recommend this film to everyone. But I mean, how do you – I was watching this and some, I get so annoyed sometimes. I'm like watching the cinematography in this movie and I'm like how – was this and listen the world was a different place in 2009 as far as international cinema mm-hmm. but how is this not nominated for like how i know it's so extreme but geez louise this is um like, this is a film this is a yeah. film yeah no i i totally agree with you mark and i think uh you know you're talking you know you mentioned uh midsummer uh you know ari aster or whoever and i think something about this movie is and something that maybe makes it more untouchable than the more or makes it seem more untouchable to people than um midsummer hereditary uh you know it's just the the fact that maybe if the lead character in this movie hadn't been a priest if there hadn't been a religious component in this film it might have gone over more with perhaps mainstream audiences but then you would have diluted i think the whole one of the points, you know, going back to Park Chan-wook talking about exploring guilt in his movies, and he's not using the religion or this priest as like a stunt, you know, kind of like a, like sort of like, hey, 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 look what I'm doing here. He's he's actually putting the character, starting with this character and going through this whole rigmarole of transition um, and discomfort and him succumbing to the pleasures of the flesh and becoming less and less like his former self in the name of sustaining not only his health through, you know, human victims, but also because he, the things he does for love and you know how fleeting love can be as this movie shows, you know, love brings with it all sorts of complications of its own because people are so, you know, even for as much as you know, someone I'm sure you know, you and I still get surprised by our partners. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't know that, or you know, I didn't know that about you, or I've never heard that story before, or I've never seen that, <laughs> I've never seen that behavior before. That's interesting. I never noticed that. So I think uh, I think what's interesting about thirst is how it really digs its claws into that human element, in addition to balancing it against or juxtaposing it against the more fantastical vampire element of the film. Um, I think I I rambled off on a bunch of different things there. I think you're, I think you're perfect. I think that's absolutely what you said. I mean, this is, he said first and foremost, he wanted to make this a love story. And so, yes, there are vampires. Uh, There is a thirst, but he also said, this is for, this is kind of, um, this is first and foremost. I want this to be a, a, a love film. And, you know what I love too is this is one of the rare movies that that when these two characters meet when when what Sanghyun and and Taeju meet Taeju meet they they immediately fall in love right you have yeah. this sort of flirtation but then they get to know each other <laughs> uh, complications and, and then Tasin being an immortal vampire who becomes wildly powerful and can jump on buildings and you become an alpha predator after not being an alpha predator and so. <laughs> Yeah, right. like that. The, that's where the the drama becomes because so many people, I think, fall in love before they get to know each other, and they learn that mm-hmm. sort of just lust, and then they kind of learn who the, each other are, and then there's like, oh crap, because they, you know, she says to him like, you, you, uh, you know, I thought you were just a needy man, and then she said that I dread your cold hand upon me. Yeah, uh, she, li- but then she lies to him about killing the husband, even though. I mean, even though she's like, you would have done it anyway. And I just want to give uh, some quick props to what uh, Shin Ha Kyun, uh, who Shin Ha Kyun, who he's so good in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, by the way. That uh, is that is that is a masterpiece, and, in my opinion. Yeah. In yeah. this movie, he's just so farty and gross, and I love him. Nose picking, yeah, everything. Uh, and he calls her a yeti, which makes me very happy. Uh, <laughs> but you know, she's like, he never hit me, and just she plays him, and then mm-hmm. they just. 
they they and then he starts hitting her like this guy who was once a great man starts hitting her yeah. uh, and and falling back into old patterns where she's the abused and then she gets that of power she's not going to deal with that anymore mm-hmm. uh, she, she's not like she's not going to play by his rules and so i think it is once again like i said a, a very mature way to tackle vampires and but he even said this though like he said that he wanted to tackle uh movies like near dark the hunger chronos let the right one mm-hmm. in he yeah. mentions no his favorite vampire film is nosferatu but he, he loves herzogs but he also mentions abel ferrara which is what the, the addict the addiction yeah the yeah. addiction what a brutal murder at the end of that uh-huh. uh, then you have uh, he said coppola which is bram stoker's dracula mm. which is one of the most sumptuous uh, films i've ever seen beautiful gorgeous movie and then neil jordan who did byzantium oh yeah that, and that's a good one too yeah and, and i just think that well didn't neil jordan also do interview with the vampire as yep. well yeah so like he like he wanted i think he wanted to go for romantic he wanted to he didn't want to go for something uh, what's the word like he just wanted to tackle he wanted to tackle different aspects of the vampires which is what able but like also bram stoker's dracula is very romantic. You know, Interview with the Vampire is very romantic. Uh, the mm-hmm. Addiction is not. <laughs> um, no, no. Not at all. But, like, Near Dark is such a different take on the vampire, and so is The Hunger. The Hunger is oh, all yeah. about, like, sexuality. and and. Well, and then The Hunger is about aging, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's... Yeah. I think these movies just do such a great job of, of um, tackling different aspects of the vampire lore. And, you know... To make a priest a vampire, that's pretty devious. And I, I know this is based <laughs> yeah. on on prior, uh, you know, uh, it was inspired by what Therese Raquin. I never, um, I, I sorry if I butchered the the um the name, but this is based on source material. Yeah. But yeah. I still love how I think vampires work best when there's an element of romance, when there's an element of danger. Uh, but they never lose track that these monsters, these things are monsters, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I don't care if I'm going round and round in a circle on this. No, it's okay. It's uh, okay. When there's so many great moments in this film, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think it's just an adult look at it, and it's and it's oh, like it's bleakly funny. But I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, man, like we watch a lot of movies, and I I think I always go back to films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, which yep. puts you through a ringer. It mm-hmm. it 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 just it just destroys you almost with, with its psychological horror. And mm-hmm. then maybe movies like devil's reject where whenever I think about it, I need a bath. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That, but that's so effective in how grimy and how mean it gets. And then I find yeah. myself thinking about thirst or I saw the devil that just put you through the meat grinder. So as much as I love horror movies like final destination five or that, I feel like my favorite horror films are the ones that just put you in it <laughs> um they, they, they just they pummel you you feel pummeled yeah. afterwards yeah because that's sometimes i feel like ho- how horror and violence should be treated mm-hmm. um but that's what that, i gotta tell you dude at the end of this i was so physically drained <laughs> and just the way that everything encloses upon you it's a lot of shoe work in this movie as well <laughs> taking shoes off trading shoes yeah know. running barefoot Throwing um, shoes, yeah. <laughs> that's the show th- shoe throwing since uh, Austin Powers. We're in we're in the shoe averse now. Oh yeah, but I don't know. So like, what was your feelings the first time you watched this movie? Like, what did you like? How how familiar were you with Korean cinema when you watched this film first? And I'm not saying all Korean cinema is this gnarly, mm-hmm. but I mean this isn't. I, I yeah, I mean, well, where were you at when you watched Thirst for the first time? Well, you know, Mark, I'll, I'll be honest is like Asian cinema has kind of been had kind of been a blind spot in my uh, in my viewing. Um, so it's only within the past couple of years that my viewing of these movies has ramped up. And I've kind of come to the realization that guys like, uh, you know, Park Chan-wook and uh, Juno Bong are, you know, just kind of like really you know, bringing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well and a lot of people are like, you know, they're doing the, the you know, the South Koreans are, are doing it better than anything in America right now. You know, Parasite, you know, Parasite won the oh, yeah. best picture a couple of years ago. So I, I was kind of like, 
I don't know if I wouldn't say I was like green, but just I had no real awareness of what the movie was really about. Okay, I knew it was about vampires, um, but I didn't have much. I didn't read a synopsis. Uh, I just probably heard people talking about it. So I just kind of went into it cold. And what impressed me about it was how Park Chan-wook really he's a great visual storyteller. Um uh, he's just great at using all the technical elements of cinema to tell a story. And he just, there's just a flow to his visuals and his camera work that kind of like you, he hooks you really, really early with a premise. And then he just brings you along for the ride. Sort of like, uh, that's sort of how I felt with uh, I Saw the Devil. I've watched that twice. And each time <laughs> I'm like, this movie does not feel like it's two and a half hours long. It feels like it's five minutes just because it just goes like that for, you know, from one thing to the next. One complication, one horrible thing to the next in that movie. And this one's kind of the same way. There's, And he kind of plays like he, he kind of whiplashes us at a couple points tonally because it's like you get this feeling that there's going to be it's going to be a romance maybe like only lovers left alive which is definitely oh, more beautiful. you know it's a, another movie i love but it's 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 actually kind of mellow compared to this one um in terms of the relationship um but this one is just a i you know i love how he sort of lulls you with this notion of hey he's a vampire he's gonna turn this you know this girl that he likes into a vampire they're gonna live happily ever after just you know <laughs> vict victimizing random people and drinking their blood you know and then i'm like oh no that's 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 not what this is and it's 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 like i said it's relationships are complicated and when you add in that sort of a whole immortal life thing you know as long as you keep drinking blood it makes it even more complicated especially when you have a partner who maybe is a bit of a loose cannon and, yeah. and needs and needs and needs sort of uh, some restraint. Um, but I also kind of like Mark that there's a, I've, correct me if I'm wrong. There's, there's a moment near the third act, I think where it's after they've remodeled the apartment and everything and put in that horrendous white walls and fluorescent lighting and everything. And someone comes over and the priest, I think he's, I think he's chastising uh, Tajin for like, you know, she's trying to get at this person and drink her blood. And I think he chastises her and then she leaves and comes back and sees him <laughs> drinking this person's blood. I, th I, th I think that's how it went. But yeah, yeah, like, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's like this aspect of hypocrisy in there as well, you know, which which can go back to the whole religious impetus as well. It's like, you know, well, how how much of a person of God can you be? You know, you're human, you're flawed, you know, is it more like you can only do the best you possibly can? And then when something like this happens, all bets are off. It's like, okay, well, I, I'm more human than human now. So what, what do I have to lose? I'm just gonna, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what brings me pleasure because, you know, you see in the early scenes, him, uh, sort of lashing himself for thinking impure thoughts before he fully transforms into a vampire. Um, yeah. He's so, some solid, he's got some solid whacking. Yeah. There's definitely, it's, it's not the flagellation, self-flagellation. <laughs> yeah. The self-flagellation. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like that. And I, I kind of like that uh, so much time is not so much time, but enough time is spent with him, you know, sort of trying to get his head around the whole <laughs> This, yeah. this 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 whole extraordinary situation which he starts starts off with the the purest of intentions you know it's it's like he he wants to do good in the world he wants to help people and another thing mark i love is how the blind elder priest who's his mentor he wants to he wants this guy to change him into a vampire so oh man yeah he's like i want to see and then he calls him a hypocrite he's like you yeah. won't give me any of your blood i'll give you mine yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, and and just I, I do like those initial things where he kind of discovers his power when he can punch light posts and they mm -hmm. can fall and just all the people he's surrounded with. And, you know, when he is drinking that blood, that's Evelyn. He actually lets her live because yeah. uh, you know, he he you know, he's an interesting character, too, where Johnny, Num, let's say you're Bill Paxson from Near Dark. OK. All right. Amazing character. I forget his name in that movie, but. Bill Paxton. good. Yeah, he's yeah. just so good. You meet another vampire who just occasionally murders people. You actually flipped 
a woman to become a vampire. <laughs> but then here you are sort of playing holier than now to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You're, there's going to be some hypocrisy, hypocrisy involved there. Where it's like you've yeah. done horrible things. But I think what sets Park Chan-wook's films apart is that his characters at least try to do good things. So he's like, mm-hmm. these temp- these characters attempt to take responsibility for the decisions that they make. Things may not turn out well for them, but because they're at least trying to account for the consequences of their actions, they are able to achieve some so- sort of integrity after all. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're trying, <laughs> but they're not doing great. Um, and I, I love that about them. Whereas, like, they're trying, but they keep failing. But mm-hmm. I guess that's better than just embracing the dark side and becoming Bill Paxton from Near Dark. Oh, yeah, uh, just, being a, so, just a total, total killer. Yeah. And as much as I love him in the movie, that's not where the drama comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need that push and pull sort of oh, yeah. for the character's uh, sort of uh, soul, I guess, or what's left of it. Yeah. And, and something, Mark, that I this was like my sort of key thought about why I maybe like this movie so much. And maybe it's part of why you like it so much is that. For a long time, vampires were kind of a solitary bunch in cinema. You know, it was it was Bela Lugosi. Well, he had Renfield, but, you know, it was Mm -hmm. often kind of like the debonair playboy version of Dracula, kind of. And he was kind of a, you know, he he liked the ladies, but he was just kind of he was kind of a playa in the in the (laughs) in the long run. And it's like uh, what those movies tend to focus on is more the vampire hunting aspect of things, which is often not as interesting because a lot of filmmakers don't do, uh, I'm not saying all filmmakers, because, you know, I think a good example is Daybreakers. I think that's a great vampire movie that actually does a lot of interesting things with the mythos. But a lot of the times you're just like having people go through the, okay, you need wooden stakes. Okay, you need garlic. You need a crucifix. You need holy water. And that stuff just ain't interesting unless you find some interesting way to visually or attitudinally, you know, sort of flip the script on it. And that's why I think when you focus on the vampires themselves and their conflicts and their uh, just plain old relationships like in this movie, that's more massively interesting to me because you get that, okay, they're vampires, but they're still human. They got those pesky human emotions that they got got to wade through. Vampirism may solve the human mortality issue as long as you're careful, but you still got to contend with those human emotions. And when you drag more characters into your web, the more complicated it's going to get. And it's just, (laughs) it could wind up just being like a headache, you know, where you wonder why you're not in marriage counseling or something like that, because it's, (laughs) you got problems that need to be worked out, you know? Oh yeah. And I think this is about, this is what you're, I think you're right. And just exploring this character. I mean, and a lot of props has to go to what Song Kang Ho for, for playing this really likable priest who, who's, who is to deal with his depressants is supposed to get lots of sun. (laughs) Uh, yeah. He tells people to like he doesn't he tell people to get lots of sun, which makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> right. But but he he volunteers his body and then he becomes a vampire against his will. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, this new power brings forth different things for him, and it and it's just this slow descent. I like that it's a slow descent too, Johnny Numb, where it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in movies I think people turn too quick, and yeah. so it's just neat watching this this slow. Like you know, it's kind of like. This movie's interesting because, uh, like the movie Annihilation, Alex Garland said oh, that yeah. that he wants. Yes, I guess I don't. Know, when you boil lobster, you can start with it slightly, like room temp water, then a little hotter, and then they don't really realize they're being boiled towards the end. Mm. This movie does that, but then it cranks it all the way up and just burns the hell out of you. Um, oh, yeah, by, but, the, by the by the end. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting. Like it slowly gets you there, but then it it it, it goes Vin Diesel from Fast and the Furious and just floors <laughs> it and hits the Nas. <laughs> Uh, and that but like but it's that's what i see happening man like that's mm-hmm. you're you people will die like it's you know when you have when you become a vampire who feasts on blood it's gonna be very hard to be good mm-hmm. it's like you as much as you try i feel like that's gonna lead to just more and more worse things yeah uh and this explores that and i dig it it's 
I know, whatever. I don't care. I, like, well, I, I well, love it. You know something, Mark? I, I kind of like how uh, it's it's Park Chan-wook is really good. Like, even in the other movies I've seen of his, he's really great at introducing all, all the characters you're going to follow in a pretty expedient manner, and you, you immediately get their personalities, and you know who they are. And basically... This whole film centers around the people who play Mahjong at uh, yeah. Taijin's tai house. Um, and, and it's like, because like I told you, it had been a while since I'd watched this movie. So I was like, how does how does this pan out for these characters? Because I was like pretty sure everybody got killed or something, you know, by the time all was said and done. But I wasn't sure how it how it all fell into place. And I was just kind of fascinated by how. It, it, it's kind of like uh, each person at, around the Mahjong table gets a little, gets slightly wise to what's happening and they have to go kind of, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or they have to be kind of uh, put in a paralytic state. So, uh, I mean, there's, the, there's the fantastic scene with what is the, what's, what's the woman's name? I'm looking for it. Evelyn. Miss Evelyn. Or is that, are you talking about the wife or the mom? I'm talking about the mom. The mom who who's like she's kind of the matriarch of the house. Oh, who becomes oh Miss Ra is your saying? Miss Ra, yeah. yeah. There's that great scene where she's kept alive in that house. Oh gosh. And, and they're playing mahjong. It is a brilliant. Uh, okay, it, this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but the, the scene is just so damn brilliant because she can't speak. She's it, she can only blink and tap her finger. So they start, the characters start asking her these yes or no questions or asking her to explain, like, if, if, if this is what the, if this is what it is, like tap your finger twice or something like that. And it's like, goes on for minutes. And, and it's, it's, it's Taijin and uh, the priest are are getting like kind of antsy. It's like, uh Oh, we didn't, (laughs) we, we didn't count on this. So now what are we going to do? Okay. Let's wait and see what happens. (laughs) But the scene goes on for like this. It's like this minute-long question and response thing, where where Mrs. Ra is just like blinking or tapping her finger. It is just genius, and it's so suspenseful at the same time, just through that minimalist of means. I think, yeah. yeah. And the noose is so slowly tightened around them. Where at yeah. first they're kind of blowing her off, like oh she doesn't mean anything. But then the people keep going. Yeah. And then it just gets to the point where it's all right. <laughs> We're done. Fair enough. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, oh man, what a scene. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's, yeah, but like, that's the perfection of this director. I, I, I just think you're in absolute, you've been driven into the, like, the grossest, most claustrophobic area, and then he tightens the noose, and they even build to that when she's like, did you move your finger earlier? Mm-hmm. They just go to that scene. <clears throat> I yeah. love when, I love when she picks her up. They're like, oh, she's gotten really strong. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, and that's just such, that, that, that is so funny. And it's just so matter of fact that <laughs> like, all right, yeah. you know, make sure to eat, you know, like, uh, don't have a diet that's full of salt. Remember when she gets that? Oh, drinking, drinking a lot, salty beverages and high blood pressure. We'll get you yeah. there when they're standing over her body. <laughs> this movie has a sense of humor, man. When like he's oh, laying oh, on the yeah. floor, drinking blood, uh, yeah. just, uh, but yeah, that, what a scene. And the, but like that's how we I think he's able to find that success and and I think this is going to sound bad. And mm-hmm. and this there's no point to this. And but you know I did work on an episode about this, but people like to talk about, you know, Bong Joon-ho or sure. Joon-ho uh, Bong versus uh, Park Chan-wook, but you know I I think what what Bong Joon-ho has done a great job of is making movies like Snowpiercer, oh, of yeah. making movies like Parasite, which is much more accessible. Uh, yeah. than, than most of his films by making, you know, Memories of Murder, which, yeah. you know, I think pretty much many directors have kind of copied. And I got the criterion Okja as well. Yeah, he, he's just done a good job of being a little bit more accessible for mainstream audiences, because with Parasite, you have the kind of class warfare. Yeah. Uh, Okja, you have the giant mo- you know, animal Snowpiercer. You have Captain America uh, <laughs> beating up henchmen who stick axes and fish. Right. So, a uh, host also, which is a beautiful monster movie. Mm-hmm. But then you have Park Chan Wook, who's gone. You know, he did JSA, uh, Joint Security Area, mm-hmm. which was, was which was really popular. Uh, but then he made Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, Lady Vengeance, Three Extremes. I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Which is bonkers. 
Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Thirst, Stoker, and then Handmaiden. Yeah. Like, Handmaiden is an absolute work of art. But none of those movies <clears throat> can cross. <laughs> uh, uh, like, a, like let's see, what, Session 9? Not Session mm-hmm. 9. Uh, District 9, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm talking, yeah. like, uh, you know... I guess what I'm talking about is like outside of the United States movies coming in that have cr- that have hit big. Mm-hmm. Uh, his movies just aren't going to hit big <laughs> um, at yeah, all. And it, and it kind of makes me sad, Mark, when I mean, I do want to see a decision to leave. And I have a feeling it'll probably uh, come around my area maybe a little later in the year. But uh, it, it kind of made me sad when you said, yeah, I want to <laughs> I want to make a movie that might win awards. I was like, it's. It's 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 a shame, I think, that uh, <clears throat> that uh, accessibility is is so often um, correlated to merit, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's why I kind of stopped watching the Oscars years ago because I just like oh it's great that uh, what Willem Dafoe got nominated for the Lighthouse or something like that, but he's not going to win it because you yeah. know. The Lighthouse is it's, it's it's a farting, disturbing movie about two guys going crazy at a lighthouse, drinking turpentine and, and farting. Yeah, I know. It's 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 like it's just it's one of just, our weekends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scotch eggs at the lighthouse. Yeah. Um, but 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 you know what I mean? It's like sort of those pity those not pity but sympathy nods. It's like, well, this movie has merit. But man, it's sure it's, it's it's certainly not to the mainstream's taste palette. But we yeah. got to recognize it somehow. So I, I feel kind of sad about that because uh, I don't know. Like sort of first reformed, I think had the same problem. It was like I think that only got nominated for best original screenplay, and it didn't win that. <laughs> you know, how do so, you watch so, that and just go, yeah, Ethan Hawke? You know, he's good, but he doesn't deserve a nomination. <laughs> he was okay. Less Drano. <laughs> less Drano. <laughs> less Pepto-Bismol, less, sui- less suicide vests. Yeah. <laughs> less flying with Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, less magical mystery tour. <laughs> less Neil Young songs by the Superfund site. Yeah. Uh, uh, but no, that, that's, yeah, that's kind of, because I agree with you about uh, uh, Bong Joon-ho, is, is that his stuff does kind of toe that, I think he toes that mainstream line a bit better um, mm-hmm. for his purposes. Um to, to sort of get that maybe more wider mainstream acceptance slash recognition. I'm not saying his movies aren't tough no. in their own, in their own way. Um, you know, Snowpiercer. funny. Oh yeah. And I mean, Snowpiercer, I saw that in the theater and I knew nothing about that going into, I took my parents to go see that movie and it just totally, it just totally felt like I've been punched in the gut by the end of it. Um, it goes off know, the rails. So. LOL literally yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and for a second i thought it wasn't going to give us sort of that little bit of uplift at the end i thought it was like okay the trains crashed spoiler alert and that's the end of the movie humanity is doomed yeah so yeah um, listen he goes there i mean you know the host i mean with the family breakdown where they're all crying on the ground with the overhead shot uh, yeah when you have memories of murder the way it takes its time and even parasite the uh, the way it goes so oh, so yeah. bloody so i, I mm-hmm. guess i'm not knocking on him but I, I guess I'm just saying he's found a way to more like kind of synthesize different cultures around the world to make hits, oh, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. And, and when I watched Decision to Leave, as much as I said he made a movie that that he wanted to win awards, it's still very much so one of his films. And it, mm-hmm. I doubt it'll win the award because it's very – it's just so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, you know, it kind of annoys me because – like it, it, I don't feel like he should be making. I don't think he should be at this point where he's like, I oh, just, you know, I gotta make more accessible movies. I mean, because at this point, you know, David Leitch and Chad Seleski, they mm-hmm. based the John Wick franchise. They were inspired by the Revenge trilogy. Oh uh, wow, okay. That yeah. movie, Richard Shepard, he did the Perfection. That movie yeah. got a ton of love. Uh, he loves The Handmaiden. And wow. you like, you know, and and also, I mean, you know, he he was also Park Chan Wook was inspired by Vertigo, deeply influenced by Vertigo, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I see all those influence. So I think I'm happy knowing that world, the like cinephiles love his stuff. The people yeah. at Khan respect his stuff. Even in Korea, man, like they've won a ton of awards. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? So five of the last 20 best film awards at the blue dragon, the blue dragon film awards, 20 of like five, like joint security area, 2000 lady vengeance, 2005 host. Well, bong, uh, so he did joint security lady vengeance. And then, um, 
you know, he, so, I mean, in Korea, he's respected. Yeah. Uh, among yeah. cinephiles, he's respected, but you don't really see his movies on Criterion. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, yeah, you're, you're right. Actually, uh, Thirst is, Thirst is a Kino Lorber release in the United States. Yeah. Oh, but they're uh, awesome. I love me some Kino. Oh, no. I, I love their sales, man. I always find way too much stuff to buy during their sales. So, awesome. um, but yeah, no, I, it's like, I feel like, for Park Chan-wook, it's like his movies are, they're out there, and it's not like he's a filmmaker where you have to import a Blu-ray from Germany or Taiwan or something to see his stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like his stuff is distributed in the States, so you can access it, but it is almost a little bit more of a cinephile type niche he's in. Um, I mean, it's interesting that I feel like his most mainstream movie was, or his English language debut Stoker, you know, which is a good movie. Um, and that kind of explores some of the same issues of, of guilt and, uh, gosh, uh, relationship, relationships, God, pencils, scissors. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> good Lord. Spiders and pianos. Yeah. But you know, that, that movie, I, I was kind of, you know, at the time I was like, not, big into Park Chan-wook, but I was like, now I look back and I was like, man, I was fortunate to be able to see that movie in a theater when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that's like, a, despite having uh, Matthew Good, Mia Wasikowska, and Nicole Kidman in that movie, it is still, a, it's a beautifully shot movie, but it's so damn dark, you know? Mm. It, the, the, the content is disturbing. And again, it's stuff that's revolving around family and relationships between mother-daughter, relationships between daughter and a strange un yeah. uncle. Yeah, it's, it's just very non-mainstream stuff. And he doesn't do... Uh, you know, Wentworth Miller wrote the script for that one, but he doesn't, neither one of them cop out with like kind of a, a happy ending, you know, cause, cause kind of the evil, the evil in these movies is kind of a, it's, it's not a Hans Gruber and his, and his crew, you know, it's, it's like evil is a more amorphous concept in these films. And I think uh. maybe, maybe that's why it's a little more difficult for people to get on board with it because you can't, pin it down to one character you can't like project your hate as a viewer onto one character per se because they're more complicated than that you know you you may not always like these characters but they do have these moments of humanity that make them relatable mm -hmm. and you know and that's what makes it complex and that's i don't want to i don't want to make a gross generalization about movie viewers or people that go to the movies but it's just like a lot of people don't want to be uh have their have their brains kind of tested or challenged like that or their morals for that matter you know i was thinking about this and you know let's just go to 67 when okay. you know, in the heat of the night uh, oh, bonnie and clyde movie. yeah you know you you have the graduate you have that just explosion then you move to easy rider uh, you know in the later years and and um uh, the John Voight Dustin Hoffman movie. I'm pulling uh, like Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah. And then you go through the 70s with with Zoetrope and De Palma Godfather. and just yeah. Godfather. And I think Americans really started to embrace what like Italian neorealism. Realism. They started embracing the French New Wave. Times were mm -hmm. changing. The Hays Code was dying. They were allowing farts in cinema now. <laughs> they 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 really went for Raging Bull. They went for uh, Taxi Driver. But you know what I find is interesting, like after 67 through the 70s, when, when cinema was much more, uh, you know, even look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it was very real. It was very angry. Gritty. 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 Yeah. And but then you get the 80s, which was a lot. Of, you know, Star Wars also helped with this, but you have a lot of fans, fantasy, sci-fi, Flash mm -hmm. Gordon, John Hughes. And yeah. then the 90s, which went to, you know, Jurassic Park and then. And then Tarantino ripoffs, and then Matrix changed the game, and then superhero movies were introduced. And yeah. sometimes I wonder if, you know, I'm not bagging on Americans, but I think sometimes if they, they just kind of were like, listen, <laughs> uh, after that, that decade of, of realism, they kind of just went like, let's go to, let's go to Amblin. Let's like shift uh, let, let, a little let, bit. Let's, let's escape. And, and also like, listen, many horrifying things happen in the United States, but you know, when you look at, at Italy post-war, how much it was just ravaged, right? Uh, how much mm -hmm. France was ravaged, how much mm -hmm. Japan, uh, the Korean War, 
I mean, these yeah. are countries that have seen massive, gigantic battles on their their soil. I think sometimes that's why maybe these these audiences embrace mm. more of the realist approach mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know. I, I think America just grew so fast and like it's just so like go 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 go. There's just mm -hmm. such a different vibe and and listen, we had the Civil War in the 1800s, but I'm talking more like modern times. And mm -hmm. so uh, that's why I wonder if like, you know, audiences in America just don't want to have that. Like we just haven't, you know, either they don't want to wallow in it, don't want to think about it. It's just something that I've been processing lately because, you know, 60, the late 60s and 70s, America had a lot of that. And, you know, even though Tarantino says, I kind of disagree with Tarantino when he says like, we're living in a bad age for movies because yeah, I think yeah. he's very, I think it's very generalized and I'm very high, heavily pulling out of context, but yeah. Are we getting raging bulls? No, but we also in a time when there's more female voices, there's more diverse voices. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many good movies being released, but the reason why movies in the cinema are the way they are, because we have to keep cinemas alive. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I think, you know, why, you know, you know, people started doing huge musicals in the fifties to combat television. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when, when, I mean, cinema's, been supposedly dying for years and they keep yeah. having to pull stuff out of their hats to keep audiences Decades. coming. Decades, um, yeah. And so I don't know. I, I think he's a little bit wrong on that, but I do think that, you know, some, you know, you watch movies that, that get delivered over here and they're much more grounded. They're much more real. They're much more temperate. Mm -hmm. And I think his movies are slight, slightly cold in their approach sometimes. And so, yeah. And, you know, I'm not bagging on American audiences. We're a completely different culture who, and we've experienced so many completely different things, mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, I, I just think his movies, you know, you look at Venice, right? He's won Venice film festival awards. He's won sure. Cannes film festival awards. Uh, he's won, you know, Korean film festival awards, Montreal. Uh, mm. He's been Jerusalem film festival. Uh, this is a guy who, who, you know, around the world has won Faroe Island. That's interesting. Um, oh. But I think around the world, he's like you know, Caesar Awards. He's won in France, uh, Cannes. So I think around the world, he's appreciated because they're just Berlin. Mm -hmm. Their style of cinema is so much different here. But like Thirst is just not going to translate well yeah. to the States. And it won't, right? Like, I guess that's unrealistic to think even think that it would. Well, maybe, Mark, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm trying to get the timeline in my head just off the top of my head. But Thirst was 2009, and I believe – Probably America was in the midst of uh, Twilight Mania at that oh, time. Yeah. Mania. So, so that was kind of America's uh, answer to the uh, vampire blockbuster at the at the time. Um, and maybe if you if you put those two side by side, there's like no comparison. They're just totally different, uh, you know, takes on on the mythology. And you know, I I don't have enough of a horse in the Twilight race to really make a judgment on it. But it's you know, often it's like, well, this was a successful book. Let's option it. Let's get as, you know, get as many adaptations as we can. So it makes as much money as possible. Um, like you said, get the butts in seats, you know, because this is the movie that'll save theaters. It'll keep the lights on. Unfortunately, Thirst is like a really, it's an extremely well done, you know, you know, it's an extreme, it's an extremely beautiful movie. You know, you're, You'd be lucky to see, you know, you're lucky to see movies that are so well shot and well performed and just come together so well narratively. And I think in that way, it's not a boring sort of stuffy art house sit in that way. It's not full of itself like some art house films are. I, I just think it's kind of, you know, that's that's not how <laughs> it's just not how people, you know, unless you're weird people like you and I to choose to sort of a. Uh, I'm going to unwind with this uh, bit of bleak vampire escapism from South Korea. You know, um, <laughs> it's 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 not light viewing. It's beautiful. It's it's beautiful filmmaking, but it's not light viewing. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's not overly pretentious. Oh, no, not at all. It's it's just a great film. It, there's there's no like really. I think. Yeah, this this movie is like a it's like a four out of five for me. Four out of five star film. And. You know, I'm very kind of attuned to when a movie is it is being pretentious. Uh, Billy Crash gives me crap for using that word sometimes uh, to describe a movie. But uh, I can kind of tell when a filmmaker is kind of trying to reach for something and he's not grasping it. And it's painful 
when that happens, um, whether it's a concept or they're trying to convey some sort of twist or whatever, um, you know, and it, and it comes off badly or it comes off inorganic. Sort of happy- that's yeah. why I think a film is pretentious is when it's inorganic. That's that's a good way of putting it. Like when it feels unnatural um, to to what to what the story is trying to be. Um, and, and yeah, I've I've fallen victim to a lot of movies that start out pretty great, uh, pretty great with their concepts, and then totally uh, botch the landing. And and those are some of the worst movies I've seen because they let you down so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie, you know, he's he's a confident filmmaker. Um, just he he knows what he's doing and like i keep going back to just how beautiful it is um despite the fact that there's sometimes ugliness getting sort of ripped or splattered across the screen it's still you can't take your eyes off of it um you he kind he kind of makes you he kind of makes you wallow sometimes with with these characters it's like but you you you're still attached to them you relate to them and that's you know why mark going back to the ending which you alluded to uh, that's an ending it goes on it seems like it goes on for so long once it's revealed where they are and it just feels like every second that passes you're like wondering how it's gonna pan out and you just feel like with each passing second it's getting closer and closer to the sun coming up over the horizon so what's gonna (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know what? What is what is the end game here? And you kind of know what it is, but the way it's executed is just like you said. It's it's funny. Um, there's some physical comedy there, but it's also horrific, and it's also kind of these characters coming to this conclusion is like you know, well, in a sense, like Icarus, uh, they flew a bit too close to the sun. You know, not to put too fine a point on it there. I mean, they did. <laughs> yeah literally yeah i mean they i mean they uh and and i love that i love that they they think of every aspect you punch the trunk off go get the trunk go under the car move the car forward yeah it's (laughs) it's you know it but that's what's great about it it's played very darkly comedic Mm -hmm. and and you know some movies really swell if you think about like deep impact or these movies where people are standing in front of gigantic waves that are going to murder them, you get oh, very yeah. sort of melodramatic. This is yeah. played really comedically. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have a good shoe bit. And then you have a woman watching it all who is just absolutely paralyzed in fear. So well, instead you know, of going wildly emotional, you have this sick sense of humor uh, oh, yeah. carrying you through it. Um, but I don't know. I guess these movies just hit my wavelength. And uh, – <laughs> Well, you know what's funny, Mark, is I think Mrs. Ra is actually kind of smiling. She's she's kind of like you, you two. Okay, you two finally reap what you sow. I may not be able to get ever get out of here, but you, you two had this coming. Mm-hmm. You, you you two were really made for each other. So you know, have fun disintegrating in the sun. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't just know. just melting together. Yeah, and just yeah. the visuals of it all. But it's like you know this all this movie also too. Like, it's a weird film because he knows what he's doing because there are moments where you just feel alive. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to go too far into this, but like there's about a half an hour of this movie. That's just the two of them having sex and like discovering like each other and their powers. And, like, so you have this elation, mm-hmm. uh, you have him jumping in the air with her, right? You have uh, her experiencing his, his athleticism jumping in the air and you have the flight, you have this beauty uh, yeah. And then you have them sort of discovering each other, this really illicit affair. But mm-hmm. then you have the murder, and then you have a guy. You know, this movie spends 30 minutes with with a dead character who's bloated, uh, guggling, yeah. gurgling water and farting, and having them deal with this. Like, so right. you start with all this passion, but then you slowly unravel. And a lot of movies don't give you that time to mm-hmm. to watch a a bloated corpse who doesn't become a jet ski. This isn't Swiss Army Man with a farting corpse. <laughs> Uh, but it's it then it it wears you down with that and then when he turns her like he kills her dude and then he mm-hmm. turns her into a vampire also yeah. this movie has the greatest double choke of all time she's choking a guy and then he picks her up and chokes her like it's like a it's like a it's like a really great double choke but yeah i i just well, love how you know you he gets his new powers and he has this illicit affair um mm-hmm. and then you have the dawning realization of of the murder, then you have the turn, then you have the descent into madness, and then you have mm-hmm. 
the final death, which is not played really dramatically. It's played more humorously. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think there's kind of this acknowledgement, like, between the two of them. By the time the sun is coming up, Mark, it's kind of like they, you know, she's kind of like, yeah, I'm sorry I was such a jerk or whatever, <laughs> and, and or something to that extent. And he's kind of like, a, kind of like resigned. I think he's like, yeah, I made a mis- Well, I couldn't help what happened to me. I made this decision to do this thing, and then I this is what happened this is what i changed into but i couldn't you know that that it wasn't for this world i did it's, it's again it's like man was not meant to kind of go where i went so i gotta just put it i gotta stop this and in some ways what they're doing is kind of this uh they're, they're kind of sparing the rest of humanity by by sort of doing well he's he's kind of all in with this suicide pact but she kind of reluctantly is has to be dragged into it but uh i i understand it i understand that mentality and uh, to to your point mark about the relationship and the sex and the the affair and everything that's what they call the honeymoon phase like mm-hmm. uh, in relationships it's like where the oxytocin is just like firing on all cylinders when you first get to know someone and it's like i don't know what they say it's like what three months to a year that can last and then after that goes away, you really have to start working at the relationship, you know? So that's, that's when it gets, it gets hard. It gets uh, more difficult or challenging as it goes on. And you really need to, you really need to sync up with your partner and communicate and understand them. And I'm not, I swear I'm not turning this into a marriage counseling podcast, but you know, it's, it's just like, I, you know, it's, this is just stuff I've thought about. Uh, yeah. Actually, know. I mean, relationship it, advice with Johnny Numb. I'll host that show. <laughs> just, we'll do a call in. We'll have people ask you questions, but you know, you know, you're absolutely right. They have that honeymoon phase, and then mm-hmm. you know, she proves. But you know what's kind of crazy is she proves to start being unwieldy, and he just starts beating her because yeah. um, yeah. you have this idolized view, and then she tries to become her own person, and he's yeah. become this powerful being. Mm-hmm. It's it's oh man, and then it just goes there. And you know, after she kills the men, he's like, listen, we'll just cut their ankles off and put their blood in Tupperware, and we'll save it. I feel yeah. like at that moment, he's like, I don't want to live this life anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. We yeah. have to cut their ankles off. This We have to move. They've, you know, they're still in the honeymoon phase, and then they don't have time to battle through it because of what they've done. But Yeah, everything is moving so fast, and yeah, you got to make these quick decisions that don't always, you know, don't always pan out in the long term. Yeah. Oh, man, what a movie. Uh huh. What a, a good movie! One. I, like you know, there's so many bits we haven't talked about. Like I love the tiny mirror. Uh, I love you know, made me want to go eat kimbap. Uh, I used to go. I used to <laughs> eat a ton of that. Uh, it's it's just. It makes me curious. I've never played mahjong, but uh, it it makes me curious to play mahjong. Maybe there's a mahjong app on my phone. Yeah, add me. We'll play. And, okay, uh, we'll we'll figure out mahjong. We'll sip on uh, red liquid. Big red or something. I don't know. What, I don't know what, it, what they are. Um, red dog ale, and and uh, play some of that. But listen, I, we don't have much time left. But, sure. But this movie still, it just it just goes there. And for me, I love that it goes there, and it finds an art in going there, and it's never overly. Per- this is like <sighs> this movie's not destined for the mainstream, and I'm pretty sure that Park Chan can say that himself. Mm-hmm. But I'm just so glad that he made this movie. Um, it's interesting watching these haunted souls. It's interesting just watching them. Like I don't know. It's just, yeah. They're, and you get power. I don't know. It. Yeah. I keep. I don't know. I wish I had. I wish I had more articulate things to say, Johnny Numb. No, no, it's okay, Mark. I, I think I, I. I think you know. I think it goes back to us liking these. Uh, we like them and we don't like them, these characters. And it's because we like them and don't like them and sometimes can relate to them that keeps us in, keeps us in the story. And it keeps us, it keeps us watching even when things get ugly, um, whether it's emotionally or just uh, in terms of the carnage on display, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of times my, my co-host Billy Crash says, you know, good, you know, good characters are going to really make, you know, good characters and good story make the movie. And I think that's uh, really the case with this. Um, the characters are complex. They're layered. Um, and I love, Hey, 
I'll just I'll just say it. I love uh, moral ambiguity or films that don't speed sp- speed feed me. Uh, spoon. <laughs> it's Fast and Furious. They're speed feeding me. No, just movies that don't spoon feed you their morality and kind of hit you over the head with it. It's kind of like, you know, you kind of you kind of to to be annoyed by and angry with, but also be able to relate to these characters is a very human reaction, I think. And I think the film really hits the humanity behind the fantastic elements. Yeah. I love it. And what I love about our feel good our feel good series is that these movies I think everyone we've tackled has really tackled interesting aspects of violence, of mm-hmm. moral yeah. amb- ambiguity, of you know, L not doing what you think people should do. Right. Of of green room, the violence, and at the end of the day, when when Anton Yelchin sees Patrick Stewart, he's like, "You're a lot scarier at night talking about <laughs> leaders of people and yeah. you know, like house that Jack built and his trip through hell, first mm-hmm. reformed of a of a pastor losing his mind, of yeah. a bad lieutenant of a bad lieutenant losing his losing mind, his mind. <laughs> uh, the devil all the time, the battle of this kid for this kid's soul as yeah. he as he moves on, but well, I think the, and, battle to not become your parents or father, yeah, and like. I feel like the movies we've talked about, I I just think the violence has been ugly mm-hmm. and like hurt and it's just good characters. And I don't know. I've really yeah. enjoyed it. And only God forgives like that movie, man. He like wants to fight a God and it's just so ugly. Like they don't pull their punches. And I've really, I've really enjoyed this, this series we've done. So thank you. I, and it, and it, and it's, and it's going to keep going on. That's as, right. As, as long as I have breath in my body, Mark, we shall be doing the Feel Good series. Oh, I love it. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll plan on what to do next. And uh, hey, right. where can people find you until the next episode? Okay. You can find me over at uh, CrashPalaceProductions.com um, where I post movie reviews, uh, horror movie reviews. And I also co-host The Last Knock with uh, Billy Crash. Um, we've been sort of on hiatus, but we do have a new episode dropping uh this coming sunday which is the this will probably be posted after that but uh i believe it's the third or fourth or second of december i can't remember which yeah and you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at johnny numb there are no h's in those johnnies uh come on over and uh talk film uh talk self-deprecation talk uh immortality talk what you would do if you're a vamp if you got turned into a vampire a farting vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of your farts. Oh man. You know, between Swiss Army Man Lighthouse, like I was looking back like E2 Mama Tambien, the master. <laughs> like there's like uh, I think farts in really good prestige movies need to come back. Oh yeah. No question. Like let's let's claim the farts. For prestige Mark, cinema, Mark, I know you have a, I know you have a, a, a tournament currently up on movies, films, and flicks, which I'm going to contribute to, but I think we need to do fart squads at some point. Okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, let's just, you know, next next episode, how about that? It'll give us time to prep. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, All and right. we'll we'll do an uh, an all-time fart scenes in movies episode. <laughs> I mean, listen. Okay. Yeah. I got, I don't, I'm already thinking of a bunch. And we could talk about the history of farts in cinema. We could teach people about the farting history of movies. You could teach a class mark on the fart in cinema. I'll do it. You, so, you know what? Your, your your students would probably be sick. They'd probably laugh at it at first, and then they'd be just tired of it by the end of the semester. <laughs> just farting 101. I'll, no I, I'll, I'll, I'll So I'm doing short-form production right now, but I also teach film studies. So film studies, I'll dedicate like an hour to farts. <laughs> but I'll tie in, I'll tie in the Hayes Code, um, yeah, I'll tie in raunchy yeah. comedies, I'll tie in farts, like the all timer farts, and then talk about the evolution of gas. You know, it'll be a good time to pass time talking about passing gas. <laughs> I love it. Right. I love it, man. Well, yeah. as always, man, thank you so much for joining me. This was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. All right, so for me, Mark Hoffmeyer for Giant Numb. This is Movie Films and Flicks. We'll see you next week.